this is why this book, this is Dad's single most valuable possession. Everything he knows about every evil thing is in here, and he's passed it on to us. I think he wants us to pick up where he left off, you know, saving people, hunting things, the family business. I'm Eddie Webb. And I'm Chris Spivey. And today we're going to talk about all 15 seasons of Supernatural on John Lewis. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Sean Lewis, where I'm not actually going to talk about all 15 seasons, but um, I, I kind of wanted to, to, to reference the uh, longevity of this particular show, because this is, I think, one of the longest, aside from the, the Doctor Who special that we did for uh, the Patreon, and if you've not heard that, you should back the Doctor Who Patreon, um, but I think this is the longest running show we've actually covered on this show, so it's like 300 yeah, episodes so. or something. It's 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 in beast. It's been resurrected multiple times to keep going on because it officially ended after fifth season, and that's when they said, "No, we still need a show on the network." And Eric Kripke went, "Well, I've got other stuff to do," and he turned it over to other people, and they tacked mm-hmm. on a an extra four minutes to the end of that final episode so they could then continue on. And yep. I think it was supposed to end in multiple times after that. Yeah, I, mean, I definitely know about the season five finale that wasn't ended up not being a finale. Um, I think there was another one around season eight, um, and then it just just kept being renewed. Um, and Supernatural Good is, for the is actors, such a though. yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's, it's great. I mean, fifteen years for of a, of a kept, steady gig that's amazing. And I think they kept asking for more and more money the more they kept making them do it, and they kept getting yeah. it. So. Because Supernatural is 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 a is a fascinating show in the sense that it's we've talked before about how sometimes these uh, shows are made in a certain way that just isn't true anymore, um, and this is another one. But from a business perspective, Supernatural was never a show that got a ton of ratings. Um, it was a show. It was one of the first shows from the CW when the CW first launched, um, and so when it actually ended in a couple of years ago, it was kind of a end of an era for the CW. Um, but uh, it it's, I'm going to say a sentence that you probably never expected me to say, but it has a lot in common with Adam Sandler. Uh, because Adam How? Sandler films. His, his Adam career Sandler, just won't end either. Right. But see, Adam Sandler films are never super popular, but they always consistently make a certain amount of money. You can invest in the Adam Sandler film. And you will get a projected return that is pretty consistent across every single film. Until I think people realize that he started using the films in the latter part of his career just as, to go on vacations with he and his friends. Yet they still make that a consistent amount of money as a result. Um, Supernatural is kind of in the same boat in the sense that uh, um, the first five seasons, it was a little more kind of traditional television. It was fighting you know, year to year and then getting good but not great ratings. Um, and then after season five, they realized that there was this hardcore fan base that would always watch regardless. Uh, and yeah. so they knew that they could invest X amount six. of dollars. Yeah. It, it, yeah. The fact that it's survived season six is probably alone a miracle. 
Um, but it, it, it consistently gets a certain amount of ratings and a certain amount of money every single season. Uh, and I think a lot of the reason why it even ended at season 15 is just exhaustion, <laughs> right? It's like this, we, we love this show. It's been great, but we really need to just stop at a certain point. Well, I think a lot of that success le- is leans into, at least initially, the on-screen chemistry between uh, Jensen Eccles and Jared Fadalicki. Like that is what cemented and made the show. Even before on before Eddie got started, I made my own uh, Sammy, we can do this joke. <laughs> but that is what the show was the heart of the show was about for a good chunk of the time. And that was engaging and they were a- attractive people to look at. Yeah. And then you get and... an array of attractive other people that go and interact with them. Unfortunately, ninety eight percent of every single person that comes on the show is white oh yeah it's um we've talked for i've said before i mean way back in our uh last season we did arrowverse and this is where the cw formula in one was originated which is a pretty white people on screen with a modest budget modest budget and do genre fiction and that's the cw formula um so yeah it, it has uh uh the the problem of, of absolutely being very heavily uh, white because they felt like that's where the money was. And then when the money was consistent, they didn't want to mess with that formula. So it has problems. Um, but on the flip side, uh, Supernatural, even today, um, is still uh, one of the highest uh, categories on fanfiction.net in terms of fanfiction contributions. Um, it's still a very popular category on Tumblr. So there is a very devoted fan base. Uh, to this show. Of course, because Jared Padalecki made the jump from Gilmore Girls onto Supernatural, where he was as a person that has watched Gilmore Girls when it came out, because I enjoyed the banter that was on it, and that was some very sharp writing for the first couple of seasons. Mm -hmm. I, I will still say, hands down, great writing, good banter. Another show, though, that was 99% white, and I'm pointing out the whiteness of these shows to show you how much crap I had to wa- deal with and watch and find the nuggets from growing up. And mm-hmm. to this day that I still try to do the same thing to find stuff for my daughter to watch. And I'm trying to be more selective. And there's more representation now than what there ever was then. Yeah, right. But so he um, had that fan base from being a love interest for Rory, who is a daughter coming into here. So I think that's okay. also why he is potentially build first in the credits. Mm, okay, that makes sense. Um, but but certainly, um, uh, sorry, this one is more. a show that... One more deviation. Um, sorry, what? One more deviation. Since we, okay. since we watch Smallville, I have to make a specific note to say that um, Dyson Eccles was on Smallville. If I remember I right... He played the other half of Doomsday, if memory serves. Oh, no. Because they had a Doomsday riff in the show where he was a, a paramedic or an ambulance person. All right. Wow. 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 Okay. And there'll be more of that. Don't worry. We'll, we'll get a few more connections as we go through this because I noticed them myself. Um, but uh, last week I was kind of grappling with, with a compliment um, uh, on Sleepy Hollow, talk about how it was it was competently done, and, and 
there's a lot of that that happens with this show as well. Um, and I finally found a good analogy, um, which is something that is known in the video game sphere as the 710 game, uh, uh, which is a, a game who gets a rating of 7 out of 10 uh, and ends up being beloved because it is not perfect. It is not the best game ever. It is not the worst game ever. It is a really solid game that you enjoy playing and then you set it down and you probably never think about it again, except for maybe it, it comes up in your queue a few years later. Oh, I remember playing that and I remember it being a, a fun experience. Um, uh, and I think a lot of ways uh, Supernatural for me is very much a 7 out of 10 show in that regard. Um, it, it's It's extremely watchable and it, it's you you're absolutely right the 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 show is entirely based on the chemistry of the leads uh, of, the, of the two leads um and it has been from the episodes we watched reminded me that they also do a really good job of hiring strong supporting characters on the show as well um so it, it is very much a show that uh the writing is solid um it's not fantastic but it's not terrible um the casting director is fantastic um but also the the, the show is so structured it's not, i don't want to say formulaic because it's not um there is a formula there but then the show constantly plays with the formula as we see with the play through these episodes the show's constantly adjusting and playing with the formula but you know the structures very well and the show really strongly leads into strong structural thing again sleepy hollow was the same way it, it was extremely watchable because the structure was solid there was make they know exactly what broadcast television needs to make and they make that very competently well um so from that regard it, it again sounds like i'm damning the show with faint praise but that's not actually true um to, to kick marvel in the ding a little bit more after watching several shows of people who seem like they're tr desperately trying to make a movie but cramming it into a tv format it's 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 comforting to just watch extremely well-made television and to that point though i want to go back and touch on something i think i said in the black lightning and definitely in the watchman special that we did about the tv show the fact that supernatural gets 15 seasons pains me that oh, yeah. shows like black lightning and the watchman tv show don't get 15 seasons they don't get a chance to be like excellent to mediocre to you know not bad again to good to horrible to back up they don't have that room to breathe and chance to succeed at all they never right. did and i'm frustrated by that and i'm still waiting for that change to happen where we can have shows like those that get the amount of time and leeway that supernatural got because they shows have devoted fan bases. They do. Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, I, I would I would go so far as to say I don't think any show is going to have 15 seasons ever again unless something radically changes. Um, uh, I think uh, Orange is the New Black was the last modern TV show to get lots and lots of seasons. Um, but, I mean, I think any show that gets more than three seasons going forward is going to be, you know, just have to be firing an absolutely every single cylinder. Um, but you're absolutely right. I'm not going to take away from your point. You're absolutely right that even the time the supernatural was running, um, I, I pointed out uh, the show is not uh, uh, an intricate 
toy box of occult mystery. It's it's a Monster of the Week show. It, it, it's probably the, the highest form of the Monster of the Week show, but it is the Monster of the Week show. Um, it got 15 seasons because there were business reasons why that happened, and more, more explicitly, because the people in charge of the money felt like there were business reasons why it got 15 seasons. Um, and similar, if not the same, executives looked at other shows like Watchmen and Black Lightning and said, this does not necessarily deserve 15 seasons. Um, so ultimately came down to some people made some decisions, uh, and while you can point to numbers, we all know numbers can be adjusted and reinterpreted. Um, so that's not to take anything away from Supernatural, more the fact that there's no compelling reason why a show like Black Lightning couldn't have gotten a commiserate amount of seasons. They had strong, engaging leads. They had a strong supporting cast. They had good writing. Um, each episode was extremely watchable. All the things that we're going to say great about Supernatural, you can apply to a show like Black Lightning. And it's just as true. Uh, so this is, in a lot of ways, uh, the last gasp of television from the 2000s, uh, how television made 2000s. I just don't think they're going to make television like this going forward. That this, I'm not putting up Supernatural as some kind of bastion of television, rather just say it's this weird aberration that just kept kind of going on in this older model while other show, other television was being reinvented in this kind of uh, uh, prestige television format that we're now saddled with. And I'm going to add on to something that you may not agree with, but I would also ask you then to look at the demographics of those people who get to make the decisions about whether or not that show gets to continue oh, to yeah. exist and see if the actors and the predominant people on the show look like them. Oh no, I, I was Back to implying that you're just, you're just saying explicitly what I was kind of implying. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got my hammer this morning and I'm, I'm looking for a nail. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, uh, so, I mean, but I mean, I, I mean, putting all of that, into contact is like so so we're walking into supernatural going it is a, it is a predominantly white show um, and uh, i i will add in sorry one more thing i've sure. i've harped somewhat about the racial dynamics to the show i do want to also then harp about the treatment of women generally in the show also is not the best and there are an untold number of women and female presenting characters who are fridged throughout the course of the show to motivate our two white male leads to do their jobs so endlessly. I, I endlessly. Was that for the first episode, but but to kind of jump ahead slightly, um that happens twice in the pilot. <laughs> Not once, yeah. twice in the same way. Um so so yeah, I mean there is is uh, I figured, but this is also one of those things that seems important enough that we would list at the top of the show. Then we can go into more detail in the that's individual fair. episodes. That's fair. Um, uh, so, uh, but it, it's a good kind of, of recap in the sense of, of, wow, there are, from a structural standpoint, I think there's some benefits to this style of show. And it's a little sad to see it go in the wake of prestige television. In other ways, it is also a show that is not aged well. Um, and certainly there are some aspects of the show that I am not sad to see go to the wayside. Um, so again, the Haggis 15 seasons, you have the balance of, oh my God, the show's going really long. It must be really interesting, but it also has uh, a similar problem of like the Arrowverse and probably one of the reasons why it ultimately got canceled as well is that there are lots of people now who are like, there's no way I'm watching 380 episodes of this fucking show. 
Well, we could also go into the cultural um, appropriation that the show does throughout the course of its history, snagging mm-hmm. different parts of other cultures, mythologies, and then not caring about them and just using them to motivate their plot. But right. I'm going to add on and say that I do agree with you. I do miss the supernatural buddy cop show. That's what uh, Sleepy Hollow was. That is what yeah. this is. They're just different variations of that. Yeah, in a way, I'm glad that we did this in the order we did because you touched something I was going to mention. We're, we're two on the same page here. Um, uh, and then Sleepy Hollow felt like someone said, what if we did Supernatural, but with better, well, not characters, but with, with, with a more diverse cast. Um, and, and, and certainly you can see some of the DNA from Supernatural to Sleepy Hollow in a lot of ways. Because you're right, there is a kind of two people i mean this goes back to x-files even right like the, the two people mm-hmm. investigating weird things um and and covering things in a serialized format sleepy hollow was much more serialized in regards to um there's not the same kind of structure that we'll talk about here um of monster of the week mythology and experimental episode sleepy hollow is kind of all of those at once and so it made for more modern watching and i think it was more watchable from a modern perspective in that regard Supernatural is very, very, very episodic uh, in a lot of ways. Um, so again, and, they just don't make television like this anymore. Um, I want to take uh, a moment, though, to since one of the shows that we did do that people may link to this is going to be Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks, in my opinion, is not a buddy cop supernatural show. It doesn't follow the same beats. I understand that sometimes um, Cooper and Truman do things together. But it's not the same as this. Cooper and Truman are not peers and they're not investigating together. Occasionally, if anything, Truman would be Cooper's Watson to Sherlock. And then that's a a tangential link at best. And also, um, uh, uh, I think the other piece of this is is the, the mildly disposable nature of the cases they investigate um, in the sense of we didn't see as much in sleepy hollow but certainly even in sleepy hollow in the bits we saw it's the there's an a plot which is the case they're investigating and it ties into the overall mythology b plot but the a plot starts peaks and resolves within the episode um Mm -hmm. so same thing with supernatural is again monster of the week is the common denominator of this it's like you go out you find whatever the monster is this week you address it you deal with it and there may be other plots going on and as the show ramps up more and more of those happen um but they alternate with uh, what X-Files used to call mythology episodes, um, which are this entire episode is based on progressing the overall plot of the show. And we don't necessarily have a case that we are investigating this week. Um, uh, but like, what's interesting is, is that there's a weird gasp of this in WandaVision uh, because uh, WandaVision, the, um, uh, well, not sword. Was it sword? No. Uh, yeah, it was sort. The the the, the yeah. people came to investigate Wanda's thing. Um, you know, there was there was uh, uh, Wu and uh, Darcy were both there, and they, they they kind of teased like they were going to become exactly that. Like we're going to go off and investigate weird things in the Marvel universe, and then they just don't. Um, and there was a lot of people I remember at the time saying we would love to see this spinoff show because again, I, I right, I think that this structure of television is something that we don't see much anymore since Supernatural. And I know that we've we dinged on Marvel for a bunch of mediocre shows. I would watch a mediocre Wu and Darcy show with minimal complaints 
because I know what I'm getting in that show before it even starts. Right, right. Um, And honestly, I think that show would be great if it specifically doesn't necessarily tie into the larger MCU continuity, but rather it's just, here's some weird shit that happens that we're not going to address. You know, it's like, uh, what's Abomination up to after being, you know, escaping from She-Hulk? You know, we're never touching that in the movie. Let's let's talk about that, you know, or... um, what about the mole people from the the, the Fantastic Four? We're never going to actually probably bring them into the MCU. So let's do a whole episode about them. You know, stuff like that. I still, man. I give you one man. better. I know that yeah. I know they're here for supernatural, but I'm, I'm still thinking about superheroes and Marvel, and I'm I'm I wanted them to do better. But this is my thought now. We have you have your movie, and then after the movie drops, about a month later, you have a four series run of Wu and Darcy investigating like the repercussions of whatever that was. You don't even need the main actors, but if people yeah. saw it, you can tangentially link it and they have an active thing that they're doing and it's them having shenanigans and then it, that's it, out and done. Next movie, you can do the same thing again. So you can keep bringing them back and you're getting people to watch your Disney Plus. And the budget on the Darcy and Wu show, what, pennies? Pennies yeah. on the buck? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think more Cat Denning should be on TV all the time. And well, I, agree. I forgot the actor's name now who plays Wu, but he is fantastic and I want more of him on TV too. Absolutely. I, I as soon as I saw because Wu has always been one of those uh I think a lot of people have their kind of favorite extremely minor character that like no one maybe but them cares about. And for me it's always been Agent Wu. I always thought Agent Wu was amazing. Um, and just heavily underutilized in the Marvel Universe. So I was like, oh my God, they have a wound, and he's also a really cool actor. Um, I was annoyed when he was he's like, Ant Man is like, oh, you're the comic relief. It's like, oh no, Wu deserves better. And then they had WandaVision. I'm like, oh, it's great. I, I love Wu in this. Um, so. Having never seen Ant Man, I would say, though, that being comic relief to Paul Rudd is probably a monumental task, and you would have to be a great comedian with an actor with t- comic Tommy to do it oh 100 it, it, it the, the he definitely held his own against uh paul rudd in terms of being funny he he, he gets schooled by scott lang um but in terms of, of of beat for beat chops he was on par and that's that's fantastic but it was me just going but Wu was so cool he was one of the first fbi agents in the marvel universe come on so randall park remember his name yes. randall park thank Didn't you even google so I, I want more Randall Park on TV too. All right, sorry, but we're not here to talk about how we would make Marvel better. Um, is there anything else we need to talk about Supernatural or Buddy Cop shows or anything else before we dive into episode one? I have no idea about the drama behind Supernatural as I would have known it so long ago. I think eventually the two leads don't like each other, but I get that. I would assume that even if I didn't remember reading something about it because you're working on a show together so closely for 15 years there's going to be some friction that pops up. Sure. Um, especially and when your your career is tied to the other actor, you know, yeah. on some level. And I don't think they did great things after that. Although, funnily enough, uh, Jensen Eccles, if you see season three of The Boys, he's in it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Now, I, I've got a bunch of random tidbits, but I can share those in the Discord if people want to go to the Darkview Studios Discord and talk to us about Supernatural. I didn't look into it, but it struck me as the level of the amount of drama you probably expect for a show that's gone on for 15 fucking years, right? It's like, especially when, 15 years with not a ton of cast core cast changes. 
Uh, that that alone is also really impressive because there are no trapdoor characters for the Winchesters. <laughs> if one of them said no, the show's done. <laughs> I think they bring in a brother later. I remember Cass, who gets killed, comes back because of the fan favorite right. and some other stuff. And Bobby. Oh, we didn't have any episodes with Bobby. I love Bobby. Then I could have made some Deadwood jokes. But sorry, you're saying Supernatural. Right. Just, just, it's, it's, I, I mean, that's, that's, that's fair. They did try to bring, I forgot about the other brother and other characters. I mean, and there's a thing to me attempts for that, but it, it, it wasn't as explicit as Sleepy Hollow, let's put it that way. And that says something else about Sleepy Hollow versus Supernatural that we've kind of already covered. Yeah. But no, I'm, I'm going to agree with you one more time before you really get into it. It is the chemistry on screen between Sam and Dean. That, is what makes this entire show work. Hands yep. down. Yep. Yep. Okay. Episode one, pilot. Two brothers, Sam and Dean Winchester, witness their mother's paranormal death as children and grow up trained to fight by a distraught father who wants nothing more than to hunt down the thing that killed his wife. Sam escapes to college to start a new normal life, but gets pulled back in after Dean shows up on his doorstep to tell him that their father is missing. Following clues from an eerie phone message from him, the boys travel to a small town and encounter a vengeful spirit called the Woman in White, who then starts to haunt Sam. Uh, so, um, first thing I want to mention is the thing that I noticed immediately is that uh, their father, uh, who plays John Winchester, um, is Jeffrey D. Morgan, who played the comedian in Watchmen. So we have yet another tie <laughs> to the Watchmen as we go through this. I may have mentioned that in passing because I I love the fact, though, that the first two or three seasons are about trying to find dad. Like, the yep. X-Files is the alien plot for them. It's, where's dad? Where's our, our wayward father? And that's actually one of the things that I remembered liking because I've only seen, like, the first season and a half. Uh, so that's part of the reason why I chose episodes from this, this chunk of it because that's, that's my major familiarity with it. Um, but also it was the reason why I really liked the show in the first season and a half is because it, it's very much a character driven show. I mean, yes, we talked about how literally two women in the Winchester's lives are stapled to a ceiling and set on fire to motivate them to do the show. That's super fucking frustrating. Uh, it doesn't get much better. Um, but it's not some deep occult mystery, right? It's the, where their dad, what's going on. Um, and their father missing over, if I remember over time gets kind of opaque and weird. And like the mystery gets around a bit too long as to where they is, but there's a kind of common through line that also, if you miss a couple episodes, you're not going to worry too much about it. It's like, we get our dad, um, we get it. We get an, uh, a notebook, of his notes, which conveniently leads us to a whole bunch of Monster of the Week mysteries. And in the middle of this, we have two brothers, one of which grew up his entire life to basically be a child soldier, and one of which tried to have a normal life and get sucked back into this. There's a com not comfortable, there's, there's an easy to understand dynamic here. All the actors pull it off well, uh, and it's a nice framework for a good, solid two-season television, which is probably what they thought they were going to get, and that was it. I suspect the initial design was they find their dad, and that's the show, right? <laughs> well, I think the the hunt for the dad goes on far too long, and I don't know if that's because Jeffrey Dean Morgan just didn't want to come back, or 
what, but eventually I'm I'm gonna spoil the show for it. it's fifteen seasons. I don't care. And I don't I don't even I don't even know how it ended because I gave up completely by season seven or eight because six was right. bad. They brought me back in though when they made a mythos season until I saw what it was. <laughs> uh, or as they called it Leviathan for people that are curious what it is. Uh, uh, but I think their dad eventually shows up for one episode, but he gets killed and he's in hell or something, and they have to free him from hell. And then he doesn't right. come back again. Yeah, it gets really biblical. I remember that around season five. Um, oh, yeah. uh, and oh. it's just like, uh, okay. Um, but the other thing I want, a, a cameo that I appreciated and then immediately got angry by uh, was Adrienne Palicki playing Sam's girlfriend, Jess. Um, I know her as Mockingbird on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I was like, oh, okay, I know her. She's cool. And then seeing her as kind of the immediate sex appeal and then a person that we're supposed to care about that tries to give uh, 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 the Winchester boys a a normal life, only to get murdered and then brought back uh, to reinforce that narrative is like, I know this actor can do better work than this. And so it's got to be the material that she's being given. So it really helped reinforce that point you made earlier is that um, at least in these first few seasons, I don't know how if it gets better or not, but in these first few seasons, women are not treated well by this show. They're very um, sex objects. Oh, yeah. It's just not the first season. That's <laughs> what no. the show does. Um, but if I remember right, I, I checked sometime in the distant past, but I do not think that she is related to Jared Bakalicki. They just happen to have the same names. <laughs> that is a very obscure last name to have in common. <laughs> but you know her as Mockingbird. I know her from Friday Night Lights and as Wonder Woman from the failed TV show pilot by the person that did Ally McBeal. I did not know. Oh, wow. Okay. And God, imagine a, a world where she played Wonder Woman. Man. On TV. <laughs> I know. And um, as another little bump to that. Oh, wow. Why can't I ever... I can't remember his name because it's so early in the morning now for me. But the actor who plays in The Last of Us, Pedro Pascal, was also in the Wonder Woman TV show and in the Wonder Woman 1984 debacle movie. I knew I knew he was in 84 because um, I was so excited that he was going to play uh, Lord. And then I was very upset with what they did with the character. But um, So he's been in both those. Uh, that, that's, that's an impressive credit. Uh but I mean, it does bring to a larger point, which is I mentioned earlier. Um, th- this is two thousand five, uh, and they're casting people. Um, well, Jeffrey Dean Morgan was already had a pretty strong career, but like they're casting people before they get picked up by another show and, and really elevate their career. There's a lot of people see them like right before they become big. Um, so they, they clearly have a very strong uh, uh, casting department in that regard and generally uh the people you see on screen again are very very watchable um as frustrating as some of the uh elements of this episode were in terms of the messages they're sending uh it's a nice tidy little mystery you know it it, it's it it sets up the structure of the show the dynamics of the, the winchester brothers um, it makes you like them both, but realize they both have flaws and reasons why they both will inevitably do something stupid. Um, and there's an interesting mystery with, with a very minor, mild twist 
which is just enough for a pilot episode, right? You get everything that the show is going to be in one episode, which is what you want a pilot to do. And it's just really strong. It's also, this is also where all the money went, you can tell. <laughs> all the money went into this episode because uh, it does not, this quality does not continue in terms of uh, special effects. You need to hook people with your pilot. I know that a lot of pilots don't think that's true, mm-hmm. but that is like when you get the most views are either going to be your pilot or potentially your finale. And if it's yep. your uh, finale for the season, that may be your series finale at that point too. And you don't right. want all those those views in. You want them at the initial hit. Mm-hmm. Because even if they drop off gradually throughout the course of the show, you can try to add in other peak episodes to bring them back. But that's why back then the networks would keep you. Yeah. Most of the time. And I mean, uh, to kind of reiterate, this was one of the flagship shows for the CW when it started. So not only did it have to hook people on the show, it had to hook people on the network. So this pilot had to get a lot right, and it generally does. I mean, it's, it's, it, it is amusing to watch it again and, and watch people do things like uh, use flip phones um, and you know, big bulky laptops, and it's just like, oh, some of the technology is very 2005. Um, uh, th- there's a whole gag about cassette tapes. I'm like, there are people alive who will not understand that reference. That's the kind of level we're talking about here. Um, but that but is it's, something that you mentioned earlier, and that is a, a definite trope. Like, even if it was made today and they redid it, there's no way dad would have a notebook. Dad might have, like, a small laptop or something like that that he carried around everywhere mm-hmm. with him with all the information on it. Right. But a book of occult stuff is so much cooler and still viscerally more appealing to me as a viewer than a laptop with occult stuff. I know the laptop will have a lot more information, but that book is just cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's something else. I mean, that, that I think that this show maybe doesn't have credit for is uh, it's also got a strong prop department. Like the Winchester's car is frankly the third lead of the show. Um, that car, as far as I know, has made well, obviously not that exact car. There's probably been a million versions of that car. But I mean, in terms of, of in a story, that car has been around, I believe, all 15 seasons. Uh, and so. it's just it's tapping into the other kind of bit of the show that I think works really well is ultimately it is uh, a road trip. This is a road trip show. They're going to drive around to different parts of the United States and solve mysteries in a cool car listening to quote-unquote cool music um, even though there's a weird scene about him making fun of liking some of the most popular musical bands of the 20th century, but okay. (laughs) Before you um, go on, though, about the question, potentially questionable musical taste, this show did the smartest move in addition to casting and everything else and spent the extra money to get the best theme song a show could have. Yeah. Carry On My Wayward Son is a great song, but then it entirely encapsulate your entire show premise. Like, beautiful, spot on. I cannot give enough kudos to that. It would no. almost match my joy as much as for the Doctor Who special, last Doctor Who special with Rara Rasputin. Yes, Wes. Side note: um, I since we did record the episode, I've heard, read an interview where apparently the Rasputin dance was completely not in the script and was something that uh, the actor Sasha thought he had to do. He and misread the script and thought that was in the script. He, I will. I'm all right. Slight Doctor Who tangent. I think <laughs> Sasha made a 
I think I might have said in the Doctor episode that you won't hear unless you go to the Patreon. Um, Sasha made a great master. He was yes. not my favorite master, but he was a really good master. Yes. Better than some of the previous ones. Agreed. I think better than John Sims, actually. Um, uh, but no, what, what, I was, what I was saying about the music thing is that, is that I'm not knocking the show's music. I'm knocking the fact that the show makes a joke at its own expense about its musical choices in the pilot, which was a weird kind of moment of like, why? this is a hair metal show. You're using this kind of music. Why are you making fun of the show's choices of music by poking fun at Dean? <laughs> because like, it's a weird moment. <laughs> that is called swagger, my friend. You know when you got the shit. You don't care if you make fun of yourself because you know it's a joke. Oh. But that, but that, I mean, but it's an interesting thing because, like I said before, this is everything you see in the show, and what you don't realize until you look back is that. The self-aware nature of the show is also very much in the supernatural DNA, and it does start episode one. It's very subtle. It becomes extremely not subtle much, much later. <laughs> um, but this show is never above making fun of itself and its premise. So it's weird if you look at it just in isolation like I did. Um, but you're right. It, it's the this, this is a show that will, in several seasons time, do an entire episode about live-action role-playing um, yeah. and pull it off. So it's, 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 it knows what it's doing. Um, so you're right. It absolutely is swagger, but it's also, uh, it was just kind of a weird moment of like, it is in a lot of ways peak 2005, um, but also in other ways going, we know the kind of audience we want to attract and we're going to simultaneously cater to them and also kind of poke fun at them a little bit for liking this show. And a show that was less confident would really struggle with that initial premise. And again, to its credit, it's buried pretty deep in the episode. You have to kind of look for it now to find it. Um, but it's, you're right, there's, there's a confidence here. And also it really helps that you never, when Sam and Dean are at their worst at fighting, you still root for both of them. There, there are times where maybe in individual arguments you side with Sam or Dean, and the show kind of says you probably want to side with Sam in this one, Dean this one, but you always want them to be together as brothers. And again, episode one, that, that hits. Like Even when they're making fun of each other, you, there's maybe malice there, but, but there's, you always sense the love that, that, that's underneath all of that, and that is purely up to the actors. Yeah. Uh, the actual plot is exists. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you want to walk through this episode because, like, there's not much to talk about from a plot perspective. Well, a character, frankly, I, I do want to take a, a few beats to talk about a few things that are, that are reoccurring throughout it, okay. and how the Winchester, specifically Dean, has existed, and how his dad taught him to exist. They're entirely funded by fake credit cards and false identities. <laughs> oh yes, yes, like. Because it brings scam. up, it brings up something that is so important that so many, even in games and stuff, leaves off, is that if you're hunting, much like superheroing, that is a time-consuming activity, and there is no way, no way to hold a normal, steady-paying job if you're actively doing your pursuit. Like for mm -hmm. hunting, they're gone for like weeks at a time. Superheroing, you could be gone for days. You could get kidnapped by a villain for a month. When you come back mm -hmm. to the job, they're not going to say, "Hey." Clark, where have you been for the past five years? We knew Superman died, but we thought you something you were okay. Uh, yeah, right, no. right. 
that's a good point. Uh, um, and it's it's it it goes it does go further than that. Like it's not um just hey we need to scam credit cards to survive. There's also impersonating a, a federal officer that just straight up happens in this episode. Yeah, <laughs> and this is the core of who Dean is as a character. So mm-hmm. that's a nice counterbalance for Sam who to go against his family was going to go and go into it and become a lawyer. Mm-hmm. So like those dynamics are also good, which shows them as characters. It also shows for Sam an educational level compared to Dean, who you would be as a kid say using quotation marks, street smart to school smart. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so from a structure standpoint, um, obviously we picked this one. I picked this one because it's the pilot. Um, but also it's a good example of, of what, again, using X-Files terminology is a mythology episode. This is primarily an episode about the brothers and their ongoing quest to find their father. Um, but even inside of this, there is an explicit arc, um, which is Dean does not want to get drawn into the hunt. So the episode, Dean is not only drawn into the hunt, but is somewhat enthusiastic about it. Sorry, uh, Sam. Sam is drawn, yeah. Um, uh, Sam is not interested in the hunt and gets drawn into the hunt uh, by Dean. Um, and Dean also softens his hard edge that he developed hunting on his own just with his father. Uh, so there is a very clear character arc here that 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 resolves, not resolves, but, but it lands somewhere at the end of the episode. There is a satisfactory conclusion, even though that will constantly be played with. Um, and there is a monster of the week investigation here, but it is just there to motivate the mythology. So uh, in story terms, the the character-driven stuff is the A-plot. The um, murderification is the B-plot. So this structure is also incredibly similar to what they would do with Smallville and Buffy on the same mm-hmm. network. It is something yep. they found that works for them, and they ran with it. And they did it to varying degrees, depending on which show was, would determine if it was more monster hunting or more character drama. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't talk about it much, but uh, even uh, Arrow season one, before the Arrowverse fell into its own structure, when Arrow season one was still kind of half a CW show and half a DC show, uh, there was still kind of some episodes were Ollie's progression as a character and or the inevitable fucking progression of his island plot line. Or sometimes it was just who is the villain that uh, Arrow is going to deal with this week in Central City. Uh, otherwise, do you, do you want to talk about the actual supernatural threat in this? Uh, the horrible bastardization of Wilkie Collins' book? Sure. <laughs> well, like the... Uh, I mean, so- there so are so many book. different variations, technically, of the woman in white from all different I cultures. I know. I know. And uh, I, I could do a whole big thing about it because it's all in Haunted West that I had to research when I figured out what to put, what, who I was going to put in the book. No, sure. Go but, ahead. I'm actually not that familiar with the historical stuff. <clears throat> oh. All right. I mean, I, I, that's going to be a talk for I later. The most... because... Okay. Sorry. You're saying. No, I was saying, I, I only brought it up just because I, I'm, I'm familiar with the uh, 19th century novel. Uh, about a woman in white, but I didn't realize there was actually kind of historical precedent before that. Because in Germany or France, there was equivalent. She was a washerwoman, actually, and she'd be at the water side washing water and washing clothes, and you come up, and that's when it would happen. 
There mm-hmm. was the version for Mexico. I think there was another version. I said France and Germany. There was like another version in Russia. It is a well-known mm-hmm. supernatural thing. So, because, all right, a minor side digression. For Haunted West, one of the things I was doing is I was trying to investigate so many cultures is i went down a bunch of different rabbit holes to figure out overlapping sort of supernatural myths from different cultures and then trying to see how those are parallel to each other and which were very distinctive to different regions to see what changed in each of those stories mm-hmm. and find out their touchstones in the end i put some of the stuff in the haunted west and some of the rest of it is just bounce around in my head for a future book fair enough that's actually that's actually pretty cool. Um, but La Corona, no. It, it it does it does bring up a good point, which is that um, while some research seems to have gone into the show, uh, uh, the show absolutely is totally okay with uh, bending a, uh, this research to fit whatever narrative they need for the show, um, and that gets problematic as we'll see in the next episode in particular. But. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the third episode we cover, I should say. Um, but uh, in this case, it's just kind of generic sex ghost uh, in, in terms of presentation, which, again, for what the network's trying to do, I, 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 it annoys me. It's another case of a woman being used to motivate somebody else. A, a third instance, even, of a woman's death being used to motivate someone's character, I, which I had forgotten about until we started talking yeah. about it. Uh, but... Um, Having an attractive woman do some mildly sexual things within the, the limits of broadcast television to attract a young audience. I know what the show's trying to do. It, it's, it's being a little blatant about it, but it's not surprising. Can I say I too watch Ghostbusters? <laughs> yes. I'm not going to tell people where it is, but if you've seen the first Ghostbusters, that, that's a joke just for you. Yes, yes. Okay, anything else about oh, the pilot? Eh, it happened. Right. Okay. Uh, episode 12, Faith. While battling a demon, Dean is electrocuted, resulting in permanent damage to his heart and leaving him only a couple of months to live because he could only die once and never dies multiple times in this show. A despondent Sam searches desperately for a way to save his brother and believes he may have found an answer through a preacher who claims to heal the incurable. However, Dean and Sam discovered that the preacher is getting help from the Grim Reaper who is trading one life for another he feels is left worthy. And to be fair, um, it's, it's a Grim Reaper. I, I should have edited that before I wrote it down. Uh, the show makes a very explicit point that it is a singular Reaper uh, of many potential Reapers. Um, this is a really good example of a Monster of the Week show, right? Uh, the, 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 while the motivation is still pretty strongly character-driven, which is uh, uh, Dean's about to die, and so Sam is going to do whatever it takes to save Dean, in reality, it is just a frame to get them into uh, the almost boilerplate faith healer actually has some supernatural shenanigans that are as evil and leads them to find out what said supernatural shenanigans are and stop it. I would have preferred if he was using snakes to really like <laughs> hammer home that faith healer in a tent sort of vibe right. that it should have. Right. Or if he, he spoke in like tongues, you know, give me, if you're going to go for it, like just, just go all out for it at this point. I will say that I bet you 80% of the reason why snakes are not involved is because probably hiring stunt snakes and snake handler was more expensive than putting a guy in a suit and some 
latex paint, uh, face mask. Because <laughs> uh, this is peak, we have no money on this show right here. It's a, we, we've hired a tent, and we've hired a guy in a suit, and that's pretty much all we got. Let's go with it. I, I make a joke about snakes, but I think probably the reason they don't go for the snakes, other than budget, is that snakes would probably, given the more Jesus-esque oriented version of this, it would probably snakes for them would have then been considered evil as they're linked to Satan and the devil and everything else. Right. Right. Um, we also have, again, a, a perfect example of, of light research. Um, cause I mentioned Coptic crosses, which is a thing and the blood in the Coptic cross, which is not a thing. Um, uh, they have, you know, uh, the fact that when Christianity was young, they kind of blurred the lines on, uh, other faiths because Christianity totally straight up stole a bunch of other faiths and jammed it in their religion, which is absolutely true. Um, and then they have, you know, and his priest studied the spell and totally hung on to it for decades, which is pretty implausible. Uh, Man, you're being nice. You're just saying Christianity stole it. I was going to say, if I had said it, I would say Christianity was like the Borg. They came in, decimated the race and the, the people and assimilated their cultures that they wanted and threw the rest of them out. Well, I mean, they learned from the Romans, so they, you know, they, they know how to do that, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, we're going to hell, if I really want <laughs> Come for us to talk about genre television. Stay for us to make really obscure stabs at historical people. <laughs> um, so I would be remiss if I didn't comment on the incredible, exceptional Julia Binns in this episode, mm -hmm. Darla from Buffy, Dexter's mm -hmm. girlfriend, and she's been in a slew of other things. Yep. Always yeah, glad like, to see her. I was like, again, um, this show has peak, what I call, um, I'm so glad that person has work energy. Um, <laughs> because it's the, I forgot about this actor. I like this actor. I'm glad that they got a gig. Um, and it, it, it very much is. It's like, you know, see, oh, hey, I know that person. That's cool. She got, she got another paycheck. That's great. I'm proud of her. Um, but she, uh, she's motivation for Sam and no, she motivation for Dean to potentially sacrifice his life, uh, because she might die. And it's just like, oh, look, it's, it's, it didn't actually, she's not actually fridge. She's, she's kind of stepping into the fridge throughout this episode. We know that literally she's going to die in three months is repeated multiple times. So she's. She's fridged, but they're not going to show us her being fridged. Technically, she's not fridged because she's not dead on screen, right? But she's basically pretty much, you know, all but not thawed. I mean, she's, she's pretty close to being frozen. <laughs> uh, but we're splitting hairs. But, I mean, it, it, it's another example of a woman being used, and death of a woman being used to motivate the male elites. And, all right, how do you want to go through this one? Because I, I think we both have some thoughts about this episode. Uh, again, the, the plot is very efficient. Uh, I mean, the, the, sorry, I mean, I'm happy to tackle it in whatever order because I don't think going through scene by scene is going to give us a ton. All right. Uh, first off, I think the preacher in this episode is a character on X Files. I am not 100 percent sure because oh, I didn't do any, you know, I had no time to do any research, but I I watched all of X Files and I saw him. I was like, "You're on X Files." That sounds right. Now as you say that, that does ring a bell. So I, I want to make that link. And if I had more time, I would look into it. But 
the fact that the villain of the piece again is a woman mm-hmm. is I don't know if it's just these three specific episodes, but the fact that two of the three right now have a woman as their main villain is disheartening. So maybe it's the format in which we're doing the show, but that bothered me too, to know that it was all going back to her. All in her motivation was to save her husband or something, but still it's, it's not sitting right. Given the constant fridging of women and then to have them also be your villain for two male leads. There's achiness there. Yeah, no. Um, uh, uh, it was something that kind of always bothered me about the show. One of the other reasons I fell off around season two is because it was a trend that I was subconsciously recognizing. It took me many years later to realize it was a conscious, oh, this is actually what it is. Um, but in this format, it, it certainly jumps out. Uh, and it's it, it's almost frustrating because uh, with a slight tweak, all of these problems could be solved, right? But on the other hand, we're in this weird point where um, the main show prior to this, I'm going to have to watch this carefully, um, did a better job of presenting women and this this can also be argued as a counterbalance i don't think it's a argue a valid argument at all um and also buffy some of the reasons why it did well is in spite of joss whedon despite his attempts to try to claim that his credit for it it happened in spite of him not because of him uh but the main monster hunting show had a fairly strong female cast and I could see an executive saying, what if we did Buffy, but with two guys? And I, I could see that pitch in my head, right? Again, I don't think it's a good reason. I think it's a terrible reason. Um, but I could see how a network could think that that was a good plan. Yeah. I, I see where you're coming from, but still. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's frustrating. Um, it, it's the rea- Sometimes when we have these conversations, it, it's always a, a bit of a walk because sometimes you have to recognize the realities of, of the business and still point out that those realities are shitty. Capitalism is, is, is fucking awful, but capitalism is how these shows are being made, and we have to at least acknowledge that there may be some of those factors in play. All right. uh, similar they... like how this show does a really good job of never nailing down exactly what faith the preacher has. <laughs> Man. I mean, there's no iconography uh, except for the Coptic cross, which is the evil thing. Um, uh, but like it, the actual faith of the, the, the faith healer is never spelled out. So it could, it's generically whatever form of Christianity you hate is what this show is. What if he just believed in George Michael? <laughs> I, I would probably sign up for that religion. <laughs> Here just for you, buddy. Um, so I do like, though, that if you have someone who believes they got their power from God and their first instinct is to go and try to heal people, that is a very solid, nice Pete, because throughout mm-hmm. the course of the show, he doesn't ask for money. And a lot of right. different faith healers, if you go and read up on some of the stuff, they're usually getting like donations and money. And they it's implied a lot that donations are, we won't ask for donations, but they are hardly welcomed. But right. you get none of that here. It is strictly focused on the healing of other people. 
which is the show trying to add moral complexity to what we're going to establish as their twist ending. Yeah. Question mark. Um, so that's a nice touch. But it's offset somewhat by the Winchesters. Oh, this is, thank you. I, I, I do want to talk about this. How the Winchesters believe that these things shouldn't happen at all, mm-hmm. like supernatural stuff. You shouldn't be dealing with these sort of forces or powers until it happens to them and they need something. Right. That is the epitome of like uh, flakiness for people that I have a strong core belief unless I am inconvenienced in some way. And and the show very mildly pokes at it because Dean a a little calls Sam on it, but into an unknown meaningful level. Um, And and because of its episodic nature, it's going to get shoved under the rug for now. I do know that future episodes slash seasons do kind of point out the hypocrisy of the Winchesters. Um, and there's a point where they just stops being hypocrisy. They just completely, no, we're, we're probably fine with using supernatural things, whatever it takes. Um, we're not there yet in their arc. Um, but in this episode, you're right. It, it, it's, it's a bit weak. Um, also, uh, from my perspective, I, I am also frustrated by yet another example of say a person has magic powers. Um, specifically a blind person having magic powers again um, because that continues to other disabled people of like oh but they have a a special ability that makes them special and it's like no that's the problem it's the his blindness has nothing to do with his ability to heal people it's just there to make sure that oh this person who cannot otherwise exist in society has to have a special gift in order to be considered on par with able people fuck you Mm-hmm. Hands down. Um, it's just an unfortunate trope. Uh, but again, like the actual plot of um, Dean almost dies. They end up being sucked into a mystery. Uh, and so the extremely low budget, but still extremely effective Reaper character is, is the MacGuffin behind it. Um, and they have a, a bit of a uh, kerfuffle in terms of trying to research that it, it, it just all works like it, this is a, a extremely average episode in a lot of ways this is a if, if you take all supernatural episodes and kind of boil them down to one episode this is kind of the median of supernatural in a lot of ways oh yeah and couple with the fact that a, a point I did like that sort of touches on that is that when the Reaper is freed, you see that even the supernatural entities in this are not uncaring, but they are, have their own motivations and feelings, how it sort of smiles and then jump and then attacks her. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. a very nice little touch. Even in the first episode where the woman in white doesn't adhere to whatever the actual mythology is. When Sam says, no, I haven't cheated or done anything wrong. I'm pure. And there's an almost an evilness and smile that says, well, for now, and there is about to be some CW shenanigans going on. <laughs> right. Right. But it reinforces that they aren't, that they have feelings and motivations of some kind. Mm-hmm. The other thing that we didn't talk about much in the pilot because it wasn't relevant, but since we're now in the thick of their monster hunting career, I think it's good to bring up here is the show is also really good at showing the Winchesters are not invulnerable. Uh, I have heard later seasons walk this back to an unfortunate degree, um, but the, the stuff I've seen in Supernatural um, is that the Winchesters 
sometimes lose. They get the shit kicked out of them on a fairly regular basis. Um, they get tripped up by mundane problems just as much as by supernatural problems. Uh, they're, they're flawed human beings. And also both Sam and Dean make dumb mistakes. And they're mistakes that are not dumb for plot reasons always, but, some, but also come from a sense of, of motivation. Like in this case, yes, there's a hypocrisy here that gets overlooked. But still, on some level, this entire episode happens because Sam doesn't want his brother to die. It's a completely understandable motivation. Um, and even if they didn't stick the landing in terms of the resonance of that, it's still a strong reason to have this episode. They didn't just wander into the next case. It's the, you know, they, they accidentally erupt him because of this natural outgrowth of the character. So this is a very strong character-driven show, even though it is very episodic and structured. And, and I do like that about the show, especially when you have, as we said multiple times, two characters and two actors who are extremely watchable. Mm -hmm. I don't have any other comments about this one because that was a nice synopsis of it. Okay. Then let's go on to season two, episode 20, what is and what shall never be. While hunting a genie, Dean is attacked and transported to a world where his mother is alive. Sam is in law school and engaged Jessica and Dean lives a very normal life with his girlfriend. However, as he starts seeing a strange girl and learns all the people he has saved in the past have died, Dean must decide whether he wants to stay in this new safe life where everyone he loves is alive or if he should return to the hunt. Um, and so this is kind of the third example of kind of the rough uh, supernatural structure, which is the experimental episode. Um, uh, that's kind of the catch-all category of episodes. They don't fit into the other two categories, um, but also increasingly become self-aware as the show goes on. We're not quite too fully self-aware yet, but we're poking the fourth wall a bit more than we have previously with this episode. Uh, the extremely unfortunate cultural appropriation uh, is really just a frame to have an elaborate what-if episode. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really, as experimental as it is for them to do this, I don't have a lot I think to say about uh, it's a wonderful life supernatural, <laughs> um, because this is how because we don't know if what actual magic may or may not have been used. We don't know if it was a drug, and this is what Dean would imagine it to be, or if the uh, appropriated mythology projected this image for him. For me, there are too many other little questions that I need to like have nuggets on before I'd really grapple with because it just could be Dean knowing that. He himself, from the life he's led, this is likely what he would do in an ideal situation. Right. And that's what's, I, I think, uh, interesting about this episode is that um, uh, we're now in the second half of season two. So we've jumped ahead pretty far. Um, and now the the monster of the week episode is just a very thin window dressing for something that's purely about the characters. Um, the and I really think the only reason why they even chose the gin is just because they wanted to do the um, what if your wish came true and want to play off that. So again, they, they did extreme minimal research. To say, okay, the, this is the thing Grant's wishes. Great. Check that box. Let's do this episode. Um, as I understand going forward with Supernatural, they don't. They even divest that. They just don't even bother with, with the frames anymore. It's like, no, we're just going to do self-aware stuff now. We're, we're, we're fine with this. Um, Buffy did do similar things. Um, like I know that the musical episode was very thinly veiled by some kind of uh, a dancing 
monster that it's a monster that caused people to dance and sing and that was kind of the metaphor for why they're doing a whole musical episode um, as so someone that's watched an episode uh i liked it as right. a musical fan i of course liked it and it was nice to see which cast members on buffy could sing and which ones uh could fake it through acting acting um but in terms of the actual story uh uh it, this is weird because, like, it doesn't move the needle any. Um, by the time you know what the conceit of this episode is, you know how it's going to end. There, there's no surprise here. It's the, on some level, Dean and Sam have to return to the hunt because that is the show we're watching. So there's no debate. It's just, okay, how do we get to this inevitable ending? And to be fair, that journey is is mildly interesting. Um, uh, and... What happens is, if you take the show, the episode on a very literal level, it's not very interesting. If you take it on a slightly, again, that self-aware level, it gets a little more interesting. Uh, the one, for example, um, they did what they could to hire as many of the actors back from the pilot as they could. Uh, so they made it as as accurate as possible to what they had. I'm like, okay, that's an interesting level of effort because because they could have very easily recast like Jessica, for example. Uh, but they didn't. They really wanted to make sure that this was is attention detail to sell a conceit that no one would have bought, which is that this is actually <laughs> a show and we're going this direction. It's like no one's gonna believe that, but you made the effort as if that was a plausible outcome. So well done, question mark. Uh, but the other thing is that we look when you get to the end and you realize ultimately this is a hallucination slash dream slash magical wish of Dean's. And this is ultimately Dean's belief of what could have happened. We find some interesting psychological components of Dean from this. Uh, and there's a nod to this because his girlfriend, uh, we've never seen before, she just kind of appears. Uh, and she, there's a, there's a small scene where she brings him a beer and he's like, oh, it's my favorite beer. And then at the end, we see an advertisement of her advertising that beer. She is a model they saw advertising a beer that he likes. And so, oh, this is all subconscious. What's interesting is that in his idealized world, he is an alcoholic. And that says something really interesting about Dean as a character, is that he can't imagine a world where he can't dull the pain of what's going on inside of him. And so it's, it's something the show doesn't explicitly say, but it's very interesting kind of subconscious thing to put in people's heads as they watch the character arcs. But my thing, though, is I'm viewing this, watching the episode as someone that has watched all the way up to season two, episode 20. Mm -hmm. And everything that they've told me and showed me about Dean in this episode, I already know as a viewer. Sure. Right. There's nothing new for me to like glean from this. I like I've already encapsulated who Dean is. Dean has reinforced that to me over two seasons now. And it doesn't move. This feels more like a placeholder episode so we can hold off. Because if I remember right, the end of season two is like the yellow-eyed demon and you find out some stuff about Sam. That's like right. pertinent to some stuff that happened that killed their mom. Mm -hmm. And this is an episode to go, hey, we're not ready to tell you that story yet. How about we give you a recap of who Dean is? We know you know who Dean is, but hey, let us tell you again. Right. And that, and that that's kind of my earlier point is like, it's fascinating and interesting. They put a lot of detail into some shit that we already knew. 
Um, there, there's zero surprises in this episode at all, but they really cared about making sure that those zero surprises were well told. So it's it's it's, it's a fascinating corner. I mean, I mean, this is ultimately a bottle episode, right? Um, for for those who don't know, a bottle episode is an episode that is completely self-contained, um, usually done on a small amount of sets. Um, in this case, that part is not true, but in terms of plot perspective, a bottle episode also is something that easily pulled out of a show uh, if need be, or in this case, more accurately, is put into a show to nudge the numbers to a certain length that the network demands. Um, so this is a case of low budget, uh, uh, minor impact in terms of production, uh, and to fill out a plot, a season-long plot that maybe it doesn't quite hit the 26 or whatever episodes this show needs. I think it was 22 for them. For them. Okay. But um, I... I think the reason that you bring back those actors and you put so much care and effort into how it visually looks is to distract from the fact we're not telling you anything. Right. It is like, yeah. don't look over here. Don't pay any attention to the man behind the curtain. I am here to talk to you. Don't look over there. Right. Right. Um, it is also interesting for me uh, because to be fair, I, I pulled these episodes out because I literally just searched for best episodes of Supernatural, picked some that were in a rough order and plot them together. So, so not low effort on my part. Um, but don't give away the magic. Yeah, the magic is there is no magic. Uh, we do barely anything in this episode to show. Um, this is just an excuse for me and Chris to hang out every week. That's the secret behind this whole show. But I did not squirt coffee through my nose because I managed to hold it in, and that. Is the magic of the show. The magic of the show is Chris's ability to hold in coffee. Um, but no, uh, what, what's interesting because of how this landed out is this is a season and a half away from the last episode we watched. Not a lot has changed. Um, which tells you a couple of things. And ultimately, I think is the kind of... I'm, I'm starting to segue into my wrap-up of the show. Uh, but um, kind of tells you everything you need to know about Supernatural is that it is a show that had an interesting idea, but it was never going to be Sleepy Hollow level of we have a strong plan, right? Sleepy Hollow was very clearly a show with a plan where we're going to tell this season-long mystery. This is more, we're going to have a couple of brothers in a cool car traveling around the U.S. solving this Supernatural mysteries, and there's this other plot going on. Um and they realized that people were really engaged with the Winchesters and they can't mess with that dynamic. And so you have to have a character-driven show where the characters don't functionally change. And that's hard. Um, so you can ding them for the fact that the Winchesters have not changed in a season and a half. But also you can't really because that's exactly what people are watching the show. They're watching the show for this dynamic. If it changes, they will stop watching the show. So the fact that they managed to pull off that balancing act for 15 seasons is itself something that I think should be considered and, and celebrated. That's really, really, really hard to do. Yeah. And but the entire point, as you're saying, of serialized television is to make something that doesn't have to be a 10 out of 10. It just needs yeah. to be good enough to keep you wanting to watch more of it. And that is how networks used to survive. And now that we're in the age of streaming, they're trying to figure out what to do now. And serialized mm -hmm. television 
is pretty much going away. It's something we touched on at the start of the episode how you're saying everything is about three seasons now and past that, it's a miracle. Mm-hmm. I, as a viewer, miss the concept of serialized television. I, I want yeah. some of that back. But more specifically to Supernatural, it is effectively Route 66 meets Buffy. And Route 66 is a show from the 1960s that was like mm-hmm. two dudes cruising around the country having misadventures. But theirs weren't Supernatural. But this is. So it's that meets Buffy. And it is a format that worked for them. I am glad it did. I'm disappointed in some of the lack of representation and how other people were treated. But on the whole, it was a great and enjoyable show that I remember I think I watched the first seven seasons of or so. Mm-hmm. And then I fell yeah. off of the show. But they didn't need me as a viewer anymore because they had a whole new generation of viewers. And when those viewers fell away, they had a whole new generation of viewers that came after them. There are people that watched it past, I think, the last few seasons almost as a parody and a comedy that never saw the first seasons. So that is a monumental feat to be praised. Anything that is this successful does deserve some degree of praise for what it accomplished. Mm -hmm. And then they tried Um, to make a spinoff series, I think, called The Winchesters that flopped after one season. Because it didn't have Sam and Dean. Right, exactly. Um, while I'm sure there are people who are in absolutely for the mythology, I would argue a lot of people who watch this show aren't. They're watching it for enjoyable, fun, relatively safe television. Uh, and, and this is a show that is very good at not pushing boundaries, but it doesn't need to. It, it, it's, not, it's not what it's trying to do. It, it's, just, it's just trying to make be a fun, cool TV show. And it generally succeeds. Um, but certainly uh, uh, looking back on it, um, it's, it, it's, it, it has a lot of problems um, from, a, from a representation standpoint, uh, from a structural standpoint. Um, it has not aged well in terms of a lot of its implicit uh, politics and to a degree at some point even explicit politics. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it's, it's not something you can look back and go, I can sit down and watch Supernatural from start to finish. I mean, I don't, nope. I don't think that that's something that I could do. Uh, but certainly if it were on television, random episode popped up, I'd probably sit down and watch it. I'd put on this background noise as I was writing. Yep. And to that extent, though, that is probably why games like Hunter were so popular because Supernatural is a basis for it in some levels. Or yep. even the Supernatural playing game itself that came out. Yes. Yes, there's a whole weirdly there's there's a whole sub 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 genre of monster hunting role playing games based on existing properties. Yeah. Because there was a Buffy role playing game, there's a supernatural role playing game. There's an angel um, there role playing game. Angel role playing game, there's the Bureau thirteen role playing game. Um, Project Twilight. Conspiracy X. Well, Conspiracy X was was unofficial X-Files role. It was basically X-Files role-playing game serial numbers pulled off. But yes, yes. <laughs> nah. Come on. Uh, gaming companies, they can't get your IP. They'll they'll make something super close to you. I can either confirm or deny doing any of that. <laughs> I was really talking about Conspiracy X. But if you feel the need to make any confessions... Or, or talk about anything, this is not the space for it. <laughs> <laughs> you can go somewhere else. You can go back to the Discord. Um, Eddie so makes all his confessions in the Discord. So if you want to know what Eddie wants to confess about, 
I'll give you a spoiler. It's mostly about like Babylon Five and Doctor Who. I'm it's even true. fans of it, and I'm like Eddie. Please stop confessing these things. We know most <laughs> of this already. But the Seventh Doctor is my Doctor. It's like we all know. Speaking of which, Australia McCoy has a biopic coming up. I know. I was pretty excited about that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so um, now we've talked about supernatural. And we've talked about the 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 eight hundred pound gorilla of the monster hunting television space. What are we going to talk about next, Chris? We're going to talk about season one of the Winchesters. We're going to follow the parents of Sam and Dean. Fuck no. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about actually Lovecraft Country. So if you've ever wanted the podcast to get political and talk about HP <laughs> Lovecraft, next episode is the one for it. Because Eddie's going to go on and on about Lovecraft, and I'm going to like roll my roll my eyes because you can't see because a podcast is not a visual medium. And I may have some thoughts about it. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's exactly how it's going to play out, Chris. But the episodes themselves will be um, season one, episode one, Sundown. Season two, sorry. I really wanted to, to say, make a season two. Season one, episode two, Whitey's on the Moon. And picking the third episode was so hard. Like even chat and discourse with Eddie, it was either season one, episode six, or season one, episode nine. And I took an extra two days to debate, but in the end, we're going to go with season one, episode nine, rewind 1921. Yeah, 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 it's a tough call. Uh, Eddie, if people are looking to buy any of your sweet, sweet merch that is near other people's IPs, where can they buy that from? <laughs> well... Um, if you want to see my wrestling role-playing game, which is the, the, the one that I'm referencing, although I did, I did do an official WWE role-playing game as well as a rip-off one, so take that for you well. Um, you can find all of my work through my website, which is Um By the time you're listening to this, uh, I have finally pulled the plug. I'm no longer on Twitter or X or whatever the hell it's called. Uh, and so now the best place to find me is on Blue Sky. That's uh, also at PugsTeddy.com. Um, or you can find me on Mastodon at Eddie Fate. Uh, but really the best place to find me, as we talked about, is on the Darker Hue Discord, uh, where these days I am explaining why the filler episodes of Babylon 5 and Deep Space Nine are actually the most important part of the show, and you should not skip them. How about you, Chris? Uh, if you're looking for me, you can still find me on all the same social media platforms I was on before. Because I'm lazy and I just haven't canceled out of stuff, really, is what it boils down to. Um, <laughs> otherwise, if you really want to talk to me, you come in the Discord. If you're looking for my work, you can, if you want my near IP work, you can wait until this game I'm publishing. It's going to be called The Z Files. It's about <laughs> these three FBI agents one that believes, one that doesn't, and one that's eh. So <laughs> and they're going to deal with an alien conspiracy about a bluish goo substance <laughs> but if you want my other work you could go to a ipr they've got haunted west and chaosium has some harlem bouncing edition and with that we will talk to you all next week where we meet you all in lovecraft country uh -huh.